For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Revelation 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. At the beginning of each year, I pray and ask the Lord for prophetic direction for the coming year. Why do we need direction? Why do we need prophetic direction for the year that we're entering into? Well, I believe it's important to pray and to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church for this year. You may say, Pastor, I'm still looking for the fulfillment of last year's promises. Just because we release a prophetic word does not mean that that word has a 12-month expiration date. I believe that each year cycles into a year and they overlap. And things that were spoken last year that perhaps we haven't seen come to pass this year may very well be foundational to what God's going to do this year. So when I say that I believe God is going to do this, I believe that God is giving us permission to pursue these things, although we may not see these things within these 12 calendar months. But every year I ask the Lord for certain promises that we're going to believe and pray over for that year. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 7, King Jehoshaphat was in a very tough place with two other kings. And he made this statement. He said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. This is the year of the open door. Another way to say this is that this is the time to move through or beyond the door into your future. It's time to secure the door for your future. This will be a door of hope and a door of light. We're entering into a new year, and there's something fresh and something new about the new year. So we're entering into a new year, and I believe it's going to be a good year in Jesus' name. We just finished the year 2017. We designated that as the year of the sword of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice it was a year that ended in seven. It was 5777 on the Hebrew calendar. It was 2017 on the calendar that we observe. Seven is one of God's perfect numbers. Seven are always special to God. Seven is a number of completion. There were some things in this last year that I'm ready to see come to completion. There were some things in our lives that God was doing to complete a cycle and complete a season. For many of us, it was a year of warfare. If you had warfare during 2017, say amen. One strong prophetic voice declared 2017 as a year of the clashing of swords. In January of last year, I released the following prophetic insights about the year. I want to go back through them just a moment. First of all, we declared a year of warfare. Dr. Robert Heidler writes, he said, when God puts you in warfare, it is always to expand your authority. God has been using the battles of the past season to prepare you to move through the door to expand your authority. Now, why did we have such a fight last year? Why was 2017 such a difficult year? There was a clashing of swords. We saw it in the world, the Middle East. North Korea, ISIS, Iran, etc. This was a year of warfare. But thank God we're leaving that year behind and we're moving through a door. Hallelujah. We witnessed it in the news media and the division that was in our nation. One of the things about last year was it was a year of political volatility. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. How many felt like that there is more you should be experiencing in your walk in your relationship with God? Say amen. Why has it been so hard to get traction and to move forward? How many of you felt like you had to battle just to survive during the last year? What was it? It was a clashing of the swords. It was a warfare, a spiritual battle. We've been in a year of warfare. But secondly, it was a year of the watcher. Our translation from the Hebrew for angel is the word watchers. We encountered warfare. Some of us need some refreshing in this season because of the intensity of the battles that we've been involved in. I want to encourage you today and let you know, although you felt alone, you had allies in the fight. Hebrews 1.14 from the New Living Translation says, Therefore angels are only servants, spirits, since to care for people who will inherit salvation. They're ministering heirs to those who know the Lord. In Psalms 34.7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. So often we're so focused on what's happening around us, we forget to praise God for what he kept from us. How many times did the enemy want to take you out on the highway and the angels of the Lord got around your car and said, it's not time, you can't have him. You say, well, I just this happened to me and that happened to me. Yeah, but it could have been that the enemy meant it for greater harm, but God intervened and he sent angels on your behalf. We had warfare in this last year. We had difficulty in this last year. We faced some storms in this year, but I've come by to tell you, we didn't face them alone because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The Lord said last year we'd be a year of wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may establish your covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Ask the Lord about this promise. Because I didn't realize the complete fullness of this promise in 2017. I was blessed in many ways, but I know there's more that God desires to do. The Lord said this to me this week. He said, this promise is still in process. I position you for the fulfillment of this promise. Don't be discouraged by your present circumstances and don't expect me to bless you in the days to come in the same way I blessed you in the past. We must break the template of the past and ask God to open new doors of opportunity and blessing. I wrote a debt-free prayer last year. I scripturally outlined the reasons that God wants me to be debt free. We got to break the template of the past. God may not do it in the future the way he did it in the past. Listen, Isaiah 43, 19, the Bible says, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Fourth, we said this was a year of breakthrough worship. Listen, we had powerful moves of God last year. During October, the Lord spoke to us on a Wednesday night and he said we would experience visitation and the way we responded to that visitation would determine our future as a church. Listen, we're just getting started. God's going to visit this house in 2018. God's going to bring increase in 2018. God's going to do good things in this place in 2018. Fifth, we said this was going to be a year of the new wineskin. 
Mark 2, 22, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but the new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now, let me tell you what happens with wineskins. Wineskins sometimes get renewed. They don't just take a brand new wineskin. They'll take an old wineskin and they rub it with oil and they put it in water to soften it up and moisture it up. God needs to renew our wineskin. That's why we have to break the templates of the past. See, if we're not careful, we'll limit God in the future only by what he's done in the past. We have to take the barriers off and take down the walls and say, Lord, we break the template. Move and work in my life in the way you desire to. Now, Lord, this is the way you got money to me last season. This is the way you provided for me in this season. But, God, you've got brand new streams of revenue you can bring in my life. God, this is the way you moved and worked in my life in the last season. But, God, I'm open that if you want to work and move in my life in a different way in this season, I break the template. The year of the wineskin. Now, why have we encountered such warfare? Because we were being positioned at the door. God's trying to position you for breakthrough. He's trying to get you to a place of breakthrough in your life. He has to position you. He has to get you in the right place. He has to get the right people in your life. He has to get you in the right posture. And the warfare was to keep you from being positioned at the door. At the end of 2016, the Lord began to deal with me about Isaiah 22, 22, where it talks about the key of the house of David. And I went all over the place giving out keys and preaching about the key. I really liked that sermon. I'm sorry that season came to an end because I just was preaching that good. Amen. I gave you keys. Little did I know or understand until I started studying over in the fall what this year was going to be that this would be the year of the door. See, God knows and he just requires us to be obedient and he don't always give you the whole picture. And he said, you go and take a key and go to the strategic places in your life where I spoke to you where I made you promises, and you unlock the unfulfilled promises of the past and the unrealized provision that was promised to you and you didn't realize of the past. And he says, you take that key and you shut the door on the past. I'm still using my key. I had no idea that we would designate this year as the year of the door. Now, the key I gave you last year was to close and lock the door of the past. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended one thing I do for getting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. To close every door of access the enemy has into your life. That's what the key was for. And some still have open doors of access that need to close. We need to close those doors. I'm closing the door to the devil. I'm closing the door to his legal right to come and attack me because of something generationally that's in my bloodline or some disobedience or rebellion or sin that's in my life. We've got to close that door and lock it in Jesus' name. And then throw the key away so the devil can't find it. Hallelujah. So we're designating this as the year of the open door. Everybody say open doors. I believe God's calling us to move beyond the door. Now, when you study doors in Scripture, it represents the following things, seven things. Let me give them to you. Entrance. In Genesis 4, 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desires for you, but you should rule over it. Access, number two. John 10, 7 and 9. Look at verse 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9. I am the door. If anybody, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. I want you to notice that in this passage here in John chapter 10, 
it, verse 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice where it's at. It's in the context of the door. The battle is at the door. Where does the thief meet us? At the door. At the door of your breakthrough. At the open door that he has into our life that we need to close. There's a battle at the door. Third is opportunity. 2 Corinthians 2.12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Fourth, it is, a, it is revelation and invitation. Revelation 4.1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven. What kind of door is that? That is a door of revelation. How do I know? Look at what he says. Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. There's an invitation into the presence of God to give you a revelation for your situation. See, what happens is the devil knocks on our door. We just open the door and say, well, why don't you come in? And then we sit down on the couch and listen to him. Find the revelation that God has to get you out of the situation that you're in. What does the word of God say about your circumstance? What does the word of God say about what you're going through? Ask the Holy Spirit to quicken the word and give you a strategy on how to move forward. We need revelation in this season. I will show you things which must take place after this. But look at the invitation. Come up here. God calls us up. God calls us up. Number five is power. Acts 14, 27. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. There's a door of faith that God will open for his power. Number six is deliverance. Acts 5 verse 19. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. They got in prison for preaching the gospel. But at night the angel came to the prison house. Hallelujah. He had a master key. And he opened the door and he said to them, go stand and declare the words of God in the temple. They didn't escape. They just went on down into the temple and started preaching. Deliverance. Seventh is protection. Exodus 12, 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And when the death angel came, when I see the blood on the post of the door, I will pass over you. We need to put the blood on the post of our door and declare in the name of Jesus, no plague comes nigh my dwelling. I'm not afraid of the terror that flies by night. We have to apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of our hearts. Now, Revelation 3.20 is not in my notes, but let me just go there for a moment. At the end of the church age, at the seventh churches of the seven churches, at the end of the age, the Bible said that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. Now, we've used that scripture a lot for invitations and to try to get people to accept Jesus. But if you put it in its right context, Jesus is standing on the outside of the door of the church, knocking. And he says, if you will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with you. I'll commune with you. I will fellowship with you. I believe Jesus is standing at the door of the church saying, if you just open the door to me. You say, well, when have we ever locked Jesus out of the church? Well, the day we put him in a box and tell him he can only move in certain ways. The day when our programs and, and the things that we've created become more important than his glory and his presence, we've locked Jesus out of the church. It's time to unlock the door and let Jesus back into his church. See, there's protection through the blood of Jesus. 
When I see the blood on the doorpost of your heart, I'm going to pass over you. Psalms 91, let me read verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 4.3, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Open a door. When God desires to bless you, he opens a window. When God desires to promote you, he opens a door. 1 Corinthians 16.9 is a key verse for this year. It is a powerful verse. Listen to it. From the New Living Translation. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Now I like that. There's a wide open door. Some would denote that as a double door. We have double doors back there. Did you know that doors and gates are often used interchangeably in the scripture? They're places of entrance and opportunity. And when God desires to bless us, he opens a window. Malachi 3.10. I want to live under the open windows of heaven, not the closed windows of heaven. But when God wants to bless us and promote us and give us opportunity, he opens a door. I believe that we're entering into a year of open doors. Not just one open door, but there are going to be many doors that open for us this year. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Will you join with me in praying for open doors to share the gospel? Will you pray with me about open doors to expand the influence and the ministry of the kingdom of God through our local church? We're not trying to grow the church. We're trying to expand the kingdom. We're not trying to say that our church is great. We're trying to make him famous. We're not trying to say that we're better than anybody else. We're just saying we have a better covenant built on better promises and that the people of God in Greenwood County need to know the spirit-filled life. Let's examine this door. A wide door can be a double door. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, 9 for a moment. First of all, notice what he says. A great door has been opened to me. God desires to do something great. In both our individual, personal, and corporate lives. Notice, secondly, it's an effective door. He said, a great and effective door has been opened to me. Now, what it says, has, past tense. The door is open. The door is open. All we got to do is move through it. Lord, is this the door you have? Now, be careful. Because when God gets ready to promote you, you'll have more than one opportunity. And you'll have to find God. I'll have to trust you. And listen to me. Advantage is not always to be taken in the will of God. That door may not look as inviting, and it may not look like it's the best door, but if it's the door God has for you, it's the best for you in that season. But notice third, there are many adversaries. There will be an enemy to oppose you. There will be a battle at the door. But I have good news. I didn't come to talk about the devil today. Romans eight thirty seven. yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. God opens the door. He'll strengthen you, empower you, and anoint you to move through that door. So I mean, we need to examine the doors that were closed to us in the past. What door did you feel like God was going to open, but yet that door was closed? This is not a 20-minute sermon today. <clears throat> i got a lot to say this morning. How many of you had doors that were closed that you felt like that was your door, that was your opportunity, that was your promotion, but it didn't work, something happened, you, and the door stayed closed? Examine those doors. Go back and look at that door. Pray over that door. Maybe it was timing. Maybe it was a test. So you thought when you got out of school, you was done with test. When you get in the kingdom, they're test. Examine the doors that were closed. Perhaps you have a promise and the door didn't open. What is God saying for this body for this year? 
I believe God has a great, a wide, a double door to open for this church and for you individually. You say, why is that important? Because what you are connected to determines your future. Who you're connected to determines your future. What God does corporately affects you individually. And this is more than just a year of an open door. This is a year to move beyond the door. Why beyond the door? Well, let me encourage you today and tell you that there are unprecedented, unprecedented. That means it's not been done like this before. Unparalleled. There's nothing to compare it to. Unrivaled miracles that God is going to work for you when you move beyond the door. Seven is a number of completion, then eight is a number of resurrection and new beginnings. Anytime you see eight in the scripture, it always has to do with resurrection. There's some things that died in a past season, God's going to resurrect them in this season. There's some things the enemy attacked and stolen in this past season, God's going to bring it back in this season. This is a season of resurrection and a season of new beginnings. Let me give you some prophetic instructions. I'll give them quickly. And then I'll, I'll expand on them later. God has great, wonderful plans for you this year. I told you there are going to be adversaries at the door. But don't focus on the adversary at the door. If you're not careful, you'll get so focused on the adversary at the door that you'll not move through the door out of fear. But just kick the adversary out of the way in the name of the Lord. Put him under your feet today. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He has to bow to the name of Jesus. You have power and authority over all the power and the authority of the enemy. God has gifted you with everything you need to move through the door. So this is a year that God's going to do something great in your life, in your family, in your ministry. Our bishop has declared this as a year of awakening. And one key for this year is to watch what happens in Israel. And when Donald Trump, you can be for him or against him, it don't matter to me. I'm not here to be political today. I'm just telling you when he stood in the White House and he declared that, Israel, that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel and it was time we recognized it, he did what all these political presidents wouldn't do because of politics. He didn't care who it offended and who it didn't. And let me tell you, it didn't offend God. It offended the devil, but it didn't offend God. And because of that, God is going to bless us because we came back into covenant alignment with Israel. We've been out of alignment for eight years, but we came back into alignment. And if you'll watch Israel, you'll see what God's going to do in this nation this year. I'm telling you, there's going to be revival. Now, we can just cross our arms and we can just sit down and say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. And we can just miss the move of God. But too many people in this church have been coming to me and saying, God showed me this church full. God showed me, God showed me revival. God showed me people getting saved. This is not coming from me. This is coming from you. God's about to move in this house again. It's the best is not behind us. The best is right now. But right now, it's a door. God's saying, I've got a door of visitation. If you just move through the door, I'll come and visit with you. And read it. Go through the scriptures and read. Every time God came and visited with somebody, let me tell you what happened. Jacob saw the heavens open. Saw angels coming up and going down. What he did is he saw a door <laughs> in the heavens, hallelujah, and a ladder or a stairway. And God came, and his name got changed of the place. It was called Luz. The Hampton Inn had to go out and change their name from the Hampton Inn of Luz, famous for pillars with a rock, to the Hampton Inn of Bethel, the house of God. When God visits you, he'll change your house. He'll change your name. He'll change your nature. He'll change your direction. He'll change your future. We need a visitation of God because he'll change those things that we can't change on our own. Let me give you these and we're going to pray. Number one, this will be a year of reassignment. 
What is a reassignment? A reassignment is different than a new assignment. God is going to reassign us to some things we haven't finished yet. I've got a whole file full of stuff like that. Books I hadn't finished writing. Sermons I hadn't finished constructing. There's a reassignment this year. See, some thought you would already be moved into a new assignment. God said, I'm not finished with you in that assignment. I'm giving you a reassignment. But with the reassignment is going to come a realignment. Listen to what I read. The year of 2018 will be a year of hope. 2018 is going to look different. Anna Werner wrote this. She said, reassignment, not new assignment, but rather reassignment. I heard the Lord specifically speak on encouraging believers to resign up for the reassignment that he has given, that he has already given. It's not time to quit in defeat, but rather gain new insight, momentum, and focus. But to do that, we have to be realigned. Realignment is defined as the action of changing or restoring something to a different or former position or state. Let me tell you what God is doing. He's renewing vision. He's going to restructure his church government. Realignment will require restructuring. A new wineskin is required. Last season was a season of difficulty. Many of us battled discouragement, but I hear a sound from heaven. Like Elijah, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Everybody put your hand to your ear. Do you hear it? I can hear the sound of an abundance of rain. What's he going to do? He's going to wash away discouragement. He's going to wash away disillusionment. He's going to wash away depression. See, there's been a spirit of heaviness that's come against us as the people of God. But in the name of Jesus today, we declare that that spirit is broken. Secondly, this will be a year of revival. Brother John Todd is my father in the Lord. But he called me right after Christmas. And he said, the Lord told me to call you. He said, God's about to open a window over your church. God's going to open a window over this house this year. He said, you get in position, you get ready. I was already hearing that. And just confirm what God was saying and what others were saying. At camp meeting last year, the Lord says, I'm going to visit that house again. I didn't say that to anybody. I just kind of kept that to myself. And he whispered it. And it came so lightly, I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me. And for a number of days, I've just been hearing the words of Joshua 3, 4, where it talks about following the ark. And listen to what it says, for you've not passed this way before. Third, this will be a year of return. What has the devil stolen from you? Inheritance, monies, relationships. What area of your life needs restoration? Your health, your finances, an unsaved child. What is it that you need God to return this year? Start declaring, this is my year of restoration. This is my year of return. And then last, this will be a year of covenant relationships. Who am I supposed to be aligned with? Who am I supposed to be in relationship with? There are two types of relationships. There's seasonal relationships where God uses that relationship for a season to accomplish something in your life or that other individual's life. And then there are long-term, lifelong covenant relationships. Those people are in your life forever. Listen, if you can count more than that as a lifelong friend, you're blessed. And that don't mean that, you know, you got to be mad at them other people or they're not in your life. It, there was a season that God was using them in your life, but God saw that that season's up. But watch those covenant relationships this year. Let me end with this. Our God is a covenant God. Everything he does is on the basis of covenant. Healing is a covenant promise. Salvation is a covenant promise. The Bible is a covenant book. Our relationship with God is a covenant relationship. God calls us to walk in covenant with each other. Church is like a family. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you don't love nobody else like your family. Listen to me. 
The church is a covenant place. And see, when you become a member of the church, you're in covenant with that church. That's why if you're not faithful to do what you promised to do, you're outside of covenant. And that's a bad, dangerous place to be. This is a covenant relationship. And God wants us to understand covenant this year. Hallelujah. Do you love him this morning? Stand with me. I'm going to quit right there.